Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the FantraxHQ.com fam. D. Mendy here. I'm joined by this popular pastry that is now cheating on us going on other podcasts. That's Art Tornaveni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? You know, Bubba makes me feel good, man. He makes me feel good. He treats me, he treats me well. Uh, uh, you know, when, when you have that, I mean, we, we all have hall passes too. So we all have hall passes for cheating <laughs> on each other. So it's all good. I am loyal to this podcast. The universal triple play I, hall pass. <laughs> I've seen you on football pods <laughs> and basketball pods. Just <laughs> talk. <laughs> you know what? All pass for other pods. I know you do it. You know what's funny is when I saw you, I remember I was getting into bed because you guys went out at like 10, 15 or something. I pointed out to a man. I was like, God, that's, that's my LC on there. I felt like just a, like, I feel you guys feel the same. It's like we're a proud pack. We're a yeah, flock. We're, we're a wolf pack, man. That's the way I feel about it. So whenever we see one of us on another pod, it's just you can't help but just beat your chest and be like, I see you, buddy. But uh, yeah, I was happy for you. And I think that episode got as much reception, good reception as I've seen on any of his guests that he brings on. Everybody loved you on that one. That was that was awesome. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely one of the best hosts around. Uh, he, he asks great questions and he moves the conversation along in such a fine way. He was holding my hand throughout. It was it was a great, great time. It was a great time. It was awesome. And it was long overdue, my friend, because you have such a wealth of knowledge to give for other shows to be able to hear. So hopefully many more coming for you in the future. Thank um, you, sir. But we're also joined by a very busy man that's actually recorded three interviews for Triple Play this week, and that's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. How's it going? The grind don't stop, man. At the end of the day, after being in sales and talking with people, these interviews, I just like some peace and quiet. Yeah, man, it's a lot of prep work that goes into them, and you're now starting to host a lot more of them now. So, I mean, it's they're just flowing in, man. But I guess that's being busy is better than being nothing, right? Like you say at the end, don't do anything I wouldn't, and that's how I avoid trouble is staying busy. There you go. Well, I also have to thank Casey for letting you do that since she couldn't uh, spend time with you at this exact moment. So I wasn't going to bring her up. Uh, every episode. <laughs> I'm done bringing her up. <laughs> I feel like I just stay on brand, but <laughs> in today's episode, we have new faces in new places. And fellas, there have been tons of stars traded, free agent frenzies all off season. Tonight, we're going to put these moves on the stove and grill them until they're cooked with perfection. That means tons of analysis and angles to inspect. And our leading chef tonight, leading the kitchen staff, that's Danny Vietti of CBS's Fantasy Baseball Today podcast every Wednesday. So make sure to stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which slash what team or what team would you like to see Yassiel Puig go to, if I could speak English, and our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! All right. News and notes. Brett Garner is returning to the New York Yankees. 
interesting to uh, see him back with New York, but I guess not so interesting because he seems to be a veteran clubhouse presence for them. He could make up to $11 million, uh, if he stays with the Yankees throughout the full range of the contract. Cheesecake, your thoughts? I think that uh, the Yankees are providing insurance for the inevitable injuries to their injury-prone outfielders and their injury-prone DH. Uh, Boone obviously likes likes uh, Gardner a lot and likes him in the clubhouse. And uh, the only the only thought that I have is is this going to be taking away uh, plate appearances from Clint Frazier? Uh, is this going to make it harder to to draft Clint Frazier where he's going right now? Yeah, I I think everybody seems pretty optimistic that they think Clint Frazier still get 500 at bats as long as he's healthy. That maybe he's going to play two out of every three or three out of every four days. Obviously, if there's an injury, Brett Gardner can go somewhere else. But it, from my understanding, it sounds like this is his job, and it's just Brett Gardner is going to be filling in just throughout with guys needing days off. And you already know Judge and Stanton probably won't stay healthy. So um, I, I'm very optimistic. Maybe I'm in the minority of that, but. We'll see what happens with that. Doc, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the role that he has because obviously it was a COVID shortened season last year and he's going to begin, he's going to be 37 when the season starts. But prior to that, his previous eight years with the Yankees, he's had 600 or 550 plus plate appearances. He was on pace for about 500 last year. So I can't imagine them saying all of a sudden you're going to get a reduced role. But I do think an injury to Judge or Stanton, which seems inevitable at this point, We'll open that hopefully everyday role for Clint Frazier. Free Frazier! There you go. Staying in the New York area, Taiwan Walker has signed with the Mets to on a two-year, $20 million deal with a player option for his third season, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post. The deal, which is still pending a physical, will pay Walker $10 million in 2021, $7 million in 2022. The player option is at a base of $6 million and can rise to $8.5 million via escalator clauses based on his performance. So cheesecake Walker is your guy. This is mm-hmm. the guy you've been beating the drum on for a long time. What do you think of this landing spot for him? I think it's, I think it's a great landing spot for him. There's a spot in the rotation for him. He's not going to be duking it out in a, in an over, over, uh, over saturated rotation right now. It looks like he's going to be lining up as the fourth starter right behind Stroman. And I like Taiwan. I liked him since he was a prospect. And the biggest thing is that he came out and showed that he was healthy in 2020 and, uh, and, and, and that his arm was in good shape. He's putting in another offseason of work now. He's expecting the, uh, the velocity to increase. He said in an interview with Fangraphs last month that, uh, you know, last season was his first season pitching in about two years. And his velocity wasn't exactly where he wanted it to be. It was still over 93, which is which is respectable. He said he's he is expecting another mile or two per per hour on his fastball. Uh, fastball is not his best pitch. His best pitch is his split change, and uh, that's feeling good coming out of his hand right now as well. But he's he's really working on a slider as well to offer a really solid third offering. That it, he's sort of morphing a cutter that he had had for a while into more of a slider right now. I like where he is. I think that City Field is a nice place to pitch, and it's in a it's in a team with with playoff aspirations and a good offense. I think he's a he's actually a a really good value at his draft acquisition price right now. Uh, I have to agree. And again, it's not like it's costing a lot to get him. So I think the upside, like you said, is there. He's working on some stuff. I'm very in- intrigued, and you are just even more selling me on the fact. 
Uh, some more news here. The Pirates and veteran corner infielder Todd Frazier on agreement on a minor league deal. Doc, I think everybody's starting to sweat and think, oh my God, what's going to happen with Cabrian Hayes? Should we be worried? No. Todd Frazier struck out every at-bat against Pat Light. But Pat Light did strike out Mike Trout. Don't forget. Uh, I love when we can bring our one of our favorite guests, Pat Light, bring his name into the show. Yeah. Todd Fra- I forgot what he described Todd Frazier as, that he was someone that is uh, not, I don't think it was to the point of saying he closes his eyes and swings, but definitely was, um, made it seem like that he's, he's kind of a free swinger. Yeah. I I don't, don't think there's much left in the tank. He's the opposite of Kevin Biggio. There you go. The Rangers have signed right-hander Tyson Ross to a minor league deal. I don't know what we can really expect. It's kind of the ghost of him at this point. The Tigers have agreed on a contract with free agent right-hander Julio Tejeron. Cheesecake, I'm interested. He's signing with Detroit. Detroit obviously has lack of proven arms. It's a $3 million base salary if he makes the roster. If he makes the roster, is this somebody that you may target late in your draft or no thank you? No. I. The thing that I think this does is it makes it harder to draft a guy like Matt Manning or Casey, or, Mize. Or Casey Mize. You know, this, this, might, this might make one of their spots shaky. I think Mize probably should have a spot. Uh, but definitely Manning is, is a shaky rotation spot because they've been signing all these crappy jag pitchers all offseason with the Urena and Tehran. And there's a third one that's not coming to mind right now, but they're loading up on these. Can, can you believe Tehran's only 30? No. <laughs> God, is he really? No, I, I didn't know that. I thought he was yeah. in his mid-30s. Wow. No, he's, he's, he's younger than we all think. But, you know, sometimes it... it doesn't matter the age, it matters the mileage they have on their arms. And he's thrown uh, over almost close to 1,400 innings. So it's not a little amount. Yeah. And last little bit here. Did you know Cameron Maven's still floating around? Because the Cubs signed him <laughs> to a contract. So good. Welcome good. to the Cubs, Cameron he, Maven. He was on the Cubs for a little bit last season, too. Uh, I mean, he's still he could still be a good defensive outfielder, but uh, he's not worth anything as far as his bat's going. Yeah, agreed. Cubs are just stacking up a bunch of big names, right, Cheesecake? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I wish that was a soundbite. Uh, last thing I want to get into before we, we plug some things here. The Fantasy Baseball Podcast Bracket is out. The famous baseball pods podcast bracket and if you like fantasy baseball content i would advise you to please check out all the great podcasts competing in this march madness style tournament put together by the great chris of baseball pods with assistance from yancey eaton uh guys i'm sure we've all been all week looking at this bracket and seeing these matchups this is just so great and it's so fun to be a part of it this year we're a four seed going as we record this today on wednesday we're going tomorrow against ray flowers and his podcast. Um, so when time you listen to this, we'll know the result of that, but just, you can't shake this exciting, competitive, great feeling that this podcast brings cheesecake. What are your thoughts with this whole bracket? Cause it's, it's fun to be part of it this year, isn't it? It's, it's so much fun. And I, you know, I paid very close attention last year when we had just started this thing to see who was going. I voted on every single matchup and this year it's, it's, it's even more fun cause we're in it. And also, because I'm I'm finding podcasts that I didn't know about, 
Um, and I, I've listened to probably six new podcasts this week that I had never heard of prior to this week. And they're really good. Obviously, Chris does a really good job of pitching, picking these podcasts because every single one I've listened to, you know, the sound quality is good. The, the opinions are really good. Um, and, you know, also our first round matchup, you know, Ray Flowers is a legend. He is a legend of the sport, you know, going up uh, of the sport of fantasy baseball, I should say. And, uh, you know, going up against him and his fantasy guru, uh, pal Vlad, uh, who, who guests on his show quite a bit. It, 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 it's, it's an honor to be part of this. Um, of course we want to win, but, uh, but, uh, you know, going up and saying, you know, we're seeing his name across the, uh, across the, the, the courts on our, on our matchup, across the field on our matchup, man, that's, it, it's pretty cool. This is awesome. Doc, what did you want to add to this? Yeah, I just, you know, big shout out to Chris and Yancey for doing this. And, you know, we we do fantasy baseball, we do fantasy football, and we do fantasy basketball. But I have no problem saying that I think the fantasy baseball community is the best. It's so welcoming. It's so warming. You know, you see people like Pitcher List that are saying, vote for the other people. You know, we're the number one seed. Everybody knows who we are. And I just think that's so emblematic of what kind of the bigger picture is. You know, obviously, we all want to win this. But I think the importance is bringing light to podcasts that might have not received the recognition before. So um, just honored to be a part of this and, you know, excited for to see who wins and kind of the, the way that things go. Yeah. Again, I, just echoing what they said, I think this is just an honor to be part of it. It's a privilege to know a lot more of these podcasts as well. A lot of these guys we did not know last year and we call them friends. We're lucky to call them friends and we get to root for them and promote them and Listen to pause. We don't know. I, I listened to some of the fantasy gospel today, which was the 15 seed to take down the launch angle pod yesterday. And uh, one of the guys on there, I, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but he actually was given really good NFBC analysis and stuff like that. You don't even know exists until Chris, who puts them kind of front and center for you to be able to get exposure to them. Again, that's what it's all about. So I love supporting our friends. I love hearing new podcasts and blessed to be a number four seed this year for triple play and and we're so happy to be a part of this and in the greatest community like doc said but back to our plug make sure you never miss a show of triple play by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts want to hear more triple play great news for you we have a fantasy football and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts if you're enjoying the content how about lighting up that Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, horrible takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Now, fellas, on an ideal morning, I'd be waking up, the sun is shining, the birds hopefully chirping in one ear, and a little fantasy baseball podcasting in my other as I'm whipping up some good old-fashioned French toast. But not every morning is going to be how you want it. Some days you may wake up and a tree might have fallen on your house. Some days your dog might have attacked the mailman and caused $3 worth of damage. Some days you have to rush to the store because they have a sale on sugar-free syrup and God knows you need that sugar-free syrup. So when an emergency strikes and you don't have time to search for podcasts, it's nice to have trusty, that good old trusty podcast in that back pocket. And what is the good old trusty? That's triple play fantasy. We want to be old reliable on your worst mornings. Keep on joining us for an amazing offseason of fantasy baseball content with no shortage of amazing guests. 
And thank you to our loyal listeners that do listen for tuning in each and every single week. We'll be right back with new faces and new places with Danny Vietti right after this quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back live tonight, and I'm here to introduce our guests. And our guest tonight, we welcome in a man that is Dick Vitale might call it a real diaper dandy. <laughs> a writer for CBS Sports MLB and host of Fantasy Baseball Today podcast every Wednesday. This 80 poo crew member threw baseballs, but is now talking about them with us tonight. The man that seems one with nature, judging from his Instagram, that I definitely did not stalk <laughs> when writing this intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the party, people. Man, I love this. I like this is the first time I've ever been on StreamYard. Normally, I'm doing like either podcasts or radio type stuff because they don't ever want to see my face. But now I'm like pumped. Now I'm fired up. You gave me an intro. You gave me a walk up song. Uh, I'm fired up now. Let's go. Hey, let's just hit it out of the park, right? Oh, that, I can't go with those those corny baseball puns. So we got to get <laughs> oh, better. Okay, all right, all right. You bring me to back down to earth. You got to get better. <laughs> Streamer's awesome, man. I mean, you can do overlays. Like I was like, maybe I'll put a, a funny picture of you up on the screen before I introduce you on. Like you can do so much stuff with it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we've been flirting with uh, doing some Twitch stuff. Me and Will have actually lately. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition, but we've been kind of flirting with it lately. Yeah, man. It's just so much technology you can do these days. Um, But I have to ask before we get started here, that diaper photo, I was trying to see what the context of it. I saw it's something to do with Hosmer, I guess, but that was before I kind of knew who you were, so it, I couldn't really find the exact post. What was that all about where you were wearing that adult diaper? I hate that this is like my claim to fame, but yeah. <laughs> so basically, long story short, last summer, it was when the Padres were hitting grand slams every single game. And before their last one, I just tweeted out and I said, if the Padres hit a grand slam tonight, I'll run around the U.S. Capitol in a diaper. My parents live right down the street. I happen to be with my parents. Like, there's no chance they hit a grand slam in four straight games. Sure enough, Hosmer takes it yard with the bases jacked. And, you know, a few hours later, I'm running around the Capitol building in a diaper. They asked Hosmer after the game if he had any idea about it. He said no. Um, but, you know, it's a good thing he, you know, stayed true to his bet. So it was it was fun. Like I said, I don't like that that's my claim to fame, but it was a good one. <laughs> Dude, it's an awesome picture, man. I mean... Hey, whatever gets you uh, out there and known from everybody, it's pretty cool. Um, we were talking a little before the show. You do the shows with Will every week. Can you talk about what that experience has been like for you? I, I heard today, obviously, you guys had Reese Hoskins on, which is super dope that you got to talk to him. What's it been like doing the the shows in the last couple of months? It's been an absolute blast. And the coolest thing about it, um, I've gotten to talk to a lot of – I was most excited going into it talking to different big leaguers and getting to get into their minds a little bit and figure out who they are as people, as opposed to players. And that's been fulfilling. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've talked with Mark Stroman. You'd mentioned Reese Hoskins, Adam Jones, some of my favorite players, Brandon Crawford was one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. Got to talk with him and that's been great. But I think honestly, the coolest part about it is building this relationship with Brooksy with Will Middlebrooks, because uh, we didn't know each other too much as of a year ago. Um, we kind of hit each other up on social media, got to know each other a little bit. And then when I kind of proposed this podcast idea to him, he was all about it. And since then, we've become really, I don't want to say inseparable because we live on different sides of the country, but we're constantly talking back and forth. We became really good friends. So above all, all the players that I've talked to, all the you know stars that I've been able to have conversations with, 
I think the best part about it is just building this relationship with Will, which has been the coolest, coolest thing uh, of it all. And I love it because I remember when you guys first got started, I remember you guys saying it might just be like a month thing. Like we'll be with you all, I think it was November, December, whatever it was. Yeah. And then I remember being like, oh, we're, we're back this month and you're doing it. And then it seems it seems like you guys are hopefully going to be around for the long haul. It's, it's nice too, because like you hear the same normal crew, which I love, you know, Frank, Chris and Scott. But hearing you guys every Wednesday, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. You can hear a different perspective. So I like the dynamic that CBS is doing with you guys. Oh, hey, I, I appreciate that. I truly do. Um, hopefully we're sticking around a little bit longer. You know, ideally, Will and I would like to have our own show eventually. That's what we've been pushing for and pushing for right now, just business wise within CBS. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now, but we're going to continue to try and push it towards that direction. Frank and the boys doing excellent job with the fantasy baseball. I mean, we can't compete with the fantasy knowledge that they, those guys have, which is why we don't even try um, talking <laughs> fantasy because Brooksy and I have no idea when it comes to fantasy, but we think we have a little bit idea of what it comes to, uh, you know, just baseball knowledge and just baseball discussion. So hopefully we can get our own, uh, our own platform eventually. I don't know if it'll happen soon or years down the road, who knows, but uh, you know, hopefully if it does happen, it would be with Will. Danny, I don't know if when you accepted the invite, did you know this was a fantasy show? Is this, is it really? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, it's a fantasy show, but oh, we, oh, this we is like, the first I'm hearing of it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, we, uh, we do talk about a lot of the stuff that they do, but the reason I was really excited to have you on is you give a different perspective. And I think it's cool to have both perspectives when talking about each player that we're going to talk about. Uh, so we we kind of we've had Frank on, we've had Chris on, and we've you know we've kind of talked straight fantasy with them. But I like the back and forth of being able to have both sides of the coin, if you will. Um, yeah, if you're looking for fantasy advice, you got the wrong guy. You got no, 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 dude. I, <laughs> I I definitely think you'll be the right thing we need when talking because I've I've even heard you talk about things on the show that it's like oh I didn't even think about that. Just that side of that perspective that you bring. So are you game to talk about some of these dudes tonight that we're going to get into? Yeah, I could fool some people. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So let's let's dive into this first guy because to be honest with you right now, if you look at it, the calendar is about to turn to March. Tons of stars were traded, free agent frenzies all offseason. Our job today is going to be taking these names. We're kind of in that pregame phase right now. Danny, I feel like you you kind of will get this reference. You're, I guess, close in age to us. So you're <laughs> in that pregame phase. We're calling our Ubers right now to the 2021 season. Camps here. Yeah, they're, they're here. We're <laughs> right into spring training. First guy up, Nolan Arenado. And Nolan Arenado, less than two years after signing an eight-year, $260 million contract extension with the Rockies, basically kind of was at odds with the organization, pushed for a trade. The Rockies shipped Arenado to St. Louis for Austin Gomber, four minor leaguers, and even threw in $51 million on that deal. Danny, I don't know if you ever made a Pokemon card trade, anything like that bad. But uh, I, I remember when you broke this down on the show and just the part about that they had actually threw money to basically give him up. Can you break down this trade for us and what you expect from Nolan Arenado next season? I can break it down, but I can't make sense of it because it still makes no sense. I And you mentioned, I mentioned on the show, I don't understand why top 10, top 20 MLB players get traded for non-top 20 prospects. I don't, or not even not top 20. How are you trading Nolan Arenado, who's been a platinum gold glove winner, a multi-time gold glove winner, a all-star just about every season has been the big leagues, arguably the greatest Rocky to ever swing a bat, 
How do you trade him? And he's a you, you make the case he's a top 20 MLB player, if not higher. How do you not get a top 100 prospect back? Mm-hmm. They didn't, they got they got a number nine, I think it was number not even like top 10 in the Cardinals organization. There were two lower level prospects. I don't have my players right in front of me, but there were level lower level guys. And Gomber is a solid arm. He'd made some spot starts for St. Louis last year and he actually balled out. He had like a sub two ERA or something crazy last year. And um, but he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't starting for him every fifth day. He was more of a spot starter. He was more of a guy that comes out of the bullpen and, and a matchup guy is a lefty. I mean, I just don't understand how you trade a multi-time leader on your squad, arguably the greatest player in franchise history, for not even a top 100 prospect. It just doesn't make sense. It's not just Arenado. It's Francisco Lindor. It's you Darvish. Like, I don't understand the return packages here. I don't understand the business of baseball right now. And that's been, it's been hard to wrap my head around seeing these trades because I hate to be the guy that's like, the same guy that's like, oh, it's a horrible trade. Oh, it's a horrible trade. But it's like, they got to get something back in return. You better not send them $50 million to go along with it either. <laughs> that blew my mind too. They I'm, are I'm horrible trades. The owners and GMs are just cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And Doc's president of the Nolan Arenado fan club, so I don't think he was very happy to see it either. No, I um, now have to get a new jersey of him in the Cardinals. You, but, can, you know what? They have that like jersey insurance. I've seen those commercials, which is actually pretty <laughs> clutch. I, I haven't looked into it, but you can like pay money when you buy a jersey, and then they like insure it, and you can get a new one for free when they get traded. Oh, so wow. I, like I didn't know I did. That's a thing? It's a, I want to say it's like American Express or something – I saw a commercial for it once. All right. I like it. I'm doing some research on that after the show. There you go. So so I'm curious, Art, I'll go to you since you just like to hop into the party here. Nolan Arenado (laughs) going to the uh, Cardinals. Yes, welcome. Thanks. Uh, Colorado has been known as a heavy Babbitt park, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. everybody I think is expecting this huge regression for Nolan Arenado. Right now he's he's kind of been a, a borderline third, fourth round pick. Does this trade with Nolan Arenado, are you still expecting Nolan Arenado-esque numbers? Or was that injury season last year, do you think, sign of what his numbers are going to look like with the St. Louis Cardinals? I mean, I, I think you have all these smart analysts who tell us that Colorado, there's no Colorado hangover when you are when you leave the team. And then Nolan Arenado gets traded and they say, he's going to stink because he left Colorado. And so I like for me, I, I go back on on the guidance that people were telling us from before these people who are good hitters. And I consider Arenado to be a truly a talented hitter. I think he's going to be just fine. I think we might like like you said, it is a BABIP he- heaven in Colorado. So maybe his batting average, we, we can count on that to to drop a little bit. But I don't think we're going to see a power reduction from Arenado. Really, he pulls a lot of nice fly balls. And I think most of those are still going to go out in Bush Stadium. But I do think that you're going to see a little bit of a batting average drop off from that 300 ish to you know 270, 280. Still a very valuable player, but uh, but uh, you know I, I I I'm sticking with the the guidance we've gotten on guys like Holiday, on guys like DJ LeMahieu, and Corey Dickerson, guys who left and still had successful careers and didn't experience that. I expect the same from Arenado. Doc and. Give us like a 30 second. I know how much you love Arenado. You could talk about him the entire show. So can you just give us a 30 second, just little spiel of why you're not scared of him? You're still going to draft him and we can just move on. Yeah, he's 29. He's still in the prime of his career. 
He's had a minimum of 37 homers the last five years when healthy. I think you're going to look at probably a 280 batting average with 34 homers, 110 RBIs. And I think you would take that from your third baseman and somebody hitting in the middle of the lineup. Agreed. Let's move to this next guy here. And I was debating starting off with this guy, but Arenado was the warm up. Let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Let's talk about Trevor Bauer. All right. So Trevor Bauer is when we actually walk into the bar, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay. We're, we're walking to the bar now. The biggest prize on the free agent market signed with the Dodgers three years, $102 million after winning the NL Cy Young Award last year. $40 million salary this year will be the largest in MLB history. He also has opt-out clauses following this season in 2022. The unpredictable Bauer av- outage, Danny. I mean, <laughs> you, you talked to Rachel Luba this offseason. I'm sure you have an idea kind of just talking with her a little bit. You have a little bit of background knowledge about Trevor Bauer a little bit. And, and how can you not see everything he's doing on social media what are your thoughts for Trevor Bauer in the Dodger blue this season? It's hard to say he's not going to succeed considering all the compliments he has around him. You know, I'm not going to sit out here and say Trevor Bauer is going to have a five ERA and just this contract's going to blow up in his face because there's so many, there's, he's got security all around him. Um, his social media presence scares me a little bit because the Dodgers have been so focused over the past, you know, five plus years of when, you know, they finally got over the hump last year, but they've been so focused and championship driven. They haven't had much distractions last year. And Justin Turner was mic'd up for a game. And Dave Roberts said, we're not doing that any longer. It was less than 24 hours. And he said, but I don't want our players doing it. They're focused. So now you bring in a guy like Trevor Bauer, who's sitting there doing his bullpens with a camera over his hat. Um, I just, from their press conference, they seem to be okay with it. From their press conference, there seems to be, um, that relationship and they understand each other and they think that it's going to work out. And I hope it does. I hope it does for both sides. Uh, but it does worry me a little bit, just a change of not culture, but just two different personalities colliding here. I think the Dodgers as a team has one personality and Trevor Bauer as a player has just a different personality than what that team has. He's very different than their leader, Mookie Betts or Justin Turner, two rather quiet guys. Let their, um, you know, they let their play do the talking. They aren't, very showboaty. Whereas Trevor Bauer, he likes to get animated on the mountain and he likes to have his social media presence. So I think it's just a collision of, of cultures really. And I hope it works out for both of them, but um, you know, I think there's going to be a transition period for sure. So Danny, you have Jacob deGrom, you have Garrett Cole, you have Shane Bieber. Would you put him as your number four pitcher going into this year? Or would you put a couple guys ahead of him? No, I wouldn't. I would, Stick Walker Bueller up there. I would stick. I mean, Lucas Giolito. You can make a case should be up there. I mean, he's Darvish. Classic years. He Darvish. I would. I mean, he's just when he's at his, uh, you know, when he's at his peak, he's one of the most unhittable pitchers in the game. He just sometimes fluctuates at times. Uh, no, I'm not putting him up there yet. I just need a little see a little bit more longevity from Bauer before I put him up there. But I mean, last year he was no doubt the best pitcher in the game, as evident by his Cy Young. So. Um, it's hard for me to sit here and say, no, he's not up there with, you know, DeGrom, um, Bieber. And Bieber hasn't had that much of long-term success. But I mm-hmm. personally want to see a little bit more out of him before I put him up there with the upper echelon. And as long as Bauer still can use the stuff that he's been using, <laughs> get that extra spin rate on his pitches. That's right. Uh, but, uh, Doc, why don't, I know you're not a Bauer fan. You're very public about that. What are your thoughts for Trevor Bauer for the 2021 season? 
I just don't like how he handled free agency, but I think he's going to get a lot of wins. In fact, he's my dark horse to lead the entire majors in wins. He went six innings pitched plus in all of his 12 starts last year, and he went more than seven and half of them. So he's an innings eater. I think the Dodgers are going to give him a lot of run support, and they have a good bullpen, so you don't have to worry about the Mets, Mets, or the Dodgers Metsing and blowing games for him. That's very true. A good back end bullpen. Cheesecake, same thoughts from you? I, I'm just throwing this out there. Are we 100% sure that Bauer is going to be getting a ton of innings with all the starters that the Dodgers have? They got I like mean, seven. I know, I know he, he said he wants to pitch every four days when he was starting his free agency, but with seven starters, yeah. Bauer, I mean... He Why would they pay him 40 mil a year to not pitch every fifth day? I'm saying... They can. Yeah, they can. He can he can throw 180 innings and be perfectly fresh for the playoffs. They want him for the playoffs. So, I mean, I th- I think you could actually see a um, you know a, a, a volume hit that he takes. That's my only real thought. I think he's going to be pretty darn good, but there might be a volume hit. Yeah, I mean, there'll probably be a Phantom IL stint. I'm sure that will go mixed in there. There's going to be, uh, we're going to skip his start because he has a, a back spasm issue and just like a one start. I'm sure plenty of those will be mixed in, but your guys are right. I mean, he's very durable. He's shown that he wants to pitch. I'm sure he's going to, if there's someone outside, maybe Lance Lynn and maybe one or two other guys, I, I would put him in the top five as far as guaranteed innings most likely next year. Um but we'll see what happens. It's very interesting to see that he picked the Dodgers. Next guy here, we'll put these two guys together because they were in the same package deal. That's Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Francisco Lindor was the face of the franchise in Cleveland, but they couldn't agree on a long-term contract, so he was dealt to the Mets alongside the comeback story of the year last year and Carlos Carrasco. Francisco Lindor... Looks like he's fit for New York. He's got uh, that smile, that personality that I think that will win over Met fans. Definitely an upgrade over Ahmed Rosario. Carrasco is coming off of a, a year, again, fighting back from the, the cancer, but he's been a steady AL presence his whole career, an 88-73 and 73 record with a 373 ERA with his time with Cleveland. So I'm interested, Danny. Do you think these guys are going to give better value than what they did in Cleveland? Do you think similar what are your thoughts for these two guys in New York and what it does for the Mets? It's tough when we're talking about the Mets. It's hard making any kind of predictions when it comes to the Mets. <laughs> I, so I think I've said this for the past three years, but I truly believe it this year. And I'd be willing to put money on it this year because of the change in ownership and change in direction that team's gone. I think this is finally the time where the Mets change the, you know, the, the aura about them. Um, the, the shtick, the stigma that they have about them that they can't, they have all this talent, but they can't win games. I think this is the tides are turning for them. And the reason I say that is because new ownership, it trickles down everywhere, down and in between. So I think the change of ownership will then lead to good front office. The front office leads to good coaching. Coaching leads to good player. Um, that's personally my belief. And Francisco Lindor is a really good leader. He's one of those guys that shows up to the field. He's one of the first guys at the field every single day. Um, and, and that's what they were missing at that shortstop position. Ahmed Rosario has not shown that he could be an everyday shortstop, especially not in the field. So now you bring over Francisco Lindor, who one, has lots of postseason experience, and two, has been an all-star almost every single year he's played. Last year, he took a little bit of a dip in his numbers, but it doesn't really concern me. His exit velocity and his other you know analytics were still just fine. Um, so 
he's a perfect leader for that town. Like you said, his personality is going to fit really well. And the reason I've been so high on the Mets for the past, even previous two, three years is because I really like their bullpen. I really love Edwin Diaz has loved them for a while. I know, I think he's got kind of a tough hand the last couple of years. Um, I, his stuff is still there. I still like Batances. I still like, you know, Seth Lugo is an absolute um, stud back in either, whether he's in the bullpen, he's struggled a little bit as a starter, but mainly as a bullpen arm, he's been an absolute stud. And then they added Trevor May. I've liked their bullpen for years, but they were able to add to it again this off season. So I like the Mets a lot and their bullpen's a lot of the reason why. Danny, I love the analytics thrown in there from the non-fantasy guy. That's that was yeah. awesome. Told you I could fool some people. <laughs> they could say you make it. So it's interesting. I have Carlos Carrasco pulled up a little bit. It's kind of interesting with with Carrasco because you look at his numbers and definitely they're on kind of the outside looking and you look at his expected ERA and was almost a run higher than his actual ERA. His walk percentage was a lot higher than it was in 2019. Hard hit percentage was down, which is good. Uh, and he kept the exit velocity pretty well. Kind of, Danny, you touched on that. Uh, so I'm kind of very interested to see how he does. A lot of times I feel like you see these guys go from the American League to the National League and they adjust very well, especially if there's uh, no DH that's going to be a pretty much a free out that he wasn't getting in the American League. So I, I kind of think it's, it's definitely very interesting. And like you said, Danny, this is this seems like it has to be the year for the Mets. You have a new owner. You've got two bright faces that have good personalities in your organization. You're right. There's like this whole aura about them that just seems like they're completely different from the Mets of old. Maybe Edwin Diaz won't even blow as many games this year. So <laughs> we'll have to see it. It's funny because Brooks was telling me on a couple podcasts ago, and he was saying he faced Edwin Diaz, and he he told me that Adrian Beltre told him that he said this is the only one of the few guys that when I go up to the plate, I don't have a lot of confidence. This is Adrian Beltre talking, one of the greatest third basemen in Major League Baseball, and he said this is one of the few guys where I go up to the plate and I don't have a whole lot of confidence, basically going into this at bat because his stuff is just that good. So the fact that he's blown so many games in the last two years, his first two years with the Mets is surprising just because of the stuff this guy possesses. I know people will also come into defense of him and say that he's blown games, but his actual, like his ERA last year, I think he he like gave up a lot of runs his first start and then he had like an under two ERA the rest of the year. And, uh, and it's crazy because in non-save situations is when he's awful. Like save situations for the most part, he's been pretty good in. It's, it's he's a very interesting guy to dissect cheesecake. You're kind of nodding your head. I think you have, I guess is there something you would like to add as well? No, I mean, Diaz is someone who I'm hearing a lot of smart people say, uh, that's probably possibly the best value as far as draft picks as closers go. Um, I did want to bring up Carrasco. He still had a 29% K rate last year, 9% walk rate, much higher than it had been, but he's still 20% K minus walk rate. I mean, he still has the goods. And as you said, uh, D. Mendy, he's going to the National League. He's going to be facing the, the pitcher spot two, three times a, an outing. Uh, that that could lead to, you know, perhaps 20, 30 more strikeouts on the season, which would be which is a significant increase in his value over over in the American League. Now, am I I think of of Jake Arrieta. I think of CC Sabathia, Roy Holiday. I, I think of Roy Holiday. I feel like these experiments from the American League to the National League go pretty well. Johan there, Santana. Johan Santana was still pretty good. Danny, do you remember, is there any guy that you can think of that hasn't made this transition as smooth? Oh, oh I know why. Go ahead. Barry Zito. 
Barry Zito. Zito. <laughs> yeah. great, great with the A's and then awful with the Giants after that contract. I mean, we could talk about you, Darvish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he had a long transition. Um, yeah. And he's going back to the National League this year. So we'll have to see if that success sustains, but we'll see. Very interesting. Yeah. Luckily, we won't have to wait too long to see it. Let's go to a hitter. Many teams watch their dollars this offseason uh, fall to some of these big name free agents. The Blue Jays went out there and just put all their cards on the table, said we're signing George Springer to a six-year, $150 million contract, 31 years old. I don't know if I would have given six years to a 31-year-old, but I'm not the owner of the Blue Jays or the GM. So I'm very interested in a lineup that is just looks filthy. And I mean, God, I can't imagine as a pitcher wanting to face that lineup. Danny, do you think Springer is going to replicate what he was doing in Houston? Do you think his stats take a hit at all? What do you think he's doing in that Toronto lineup? I think he's in just as good of a lineup in Toronto as he is in Houston. The only difference is, is that the experience is completely different. It's a completely change in, uh, in years. And by years, I mean age. Because when you're looking at Houston, you have tons of experience. You have guys that know how to hit with runners in scoring position. So, you know, if we're talking fantasy here, I think maybe George Springer, like his runs maybe take a dip or maybe his RBI opportunities make maybe take a dip. Because when you look at teams that are experienced, they know how to drive runners in with runners in scoring position. You know, we were talking about the Mets before this. The Mets have hitters. The Mets have plenty of talent. They never lack talent. Uh, they were, I want to say, his fourth last year in hits. But with runners in scoring position, they were down to like 18. They hit like 240 with runners in scoring position. So that just comes down to experience. And so when you're looking at Toronto, Vladdy's in really good shape coming into camp. Um, Cabin obviously is going to be Cabin. And then Bo's going to have a year where he was injured last year. And now he's going to have a full season really with Toronto. But what do they lack? Experience. And so I think if you're talking about George Springer, I think it really depends on where they put him in the lineup too. Because I would expect him to hit leadoff again. But maybe they move him down and, and try to put him more in one of those power spots, and that could change his numbers too. Yeah, uh, before I forget, Wilson, we're going to address our fantasy league on the actual Twitter for the page, so keep an eye on for that. Danny, I do want to touch base on the fact because do you think Kevin, Kevin Biggio would move up? Because I, I, everybody in the fantasy community hates Kevin Biggio. You look at all his numbers. His <laughs> max exit velo was 104, which was qualified as 142 out of 142. And he just he well, he gets on base. He's he's a we kind of joke someone that just doesn't swing at pitches. We just call him like a Barry Bonds. They just take their walks. Uh, but uh, he just seems like he's the type of dude that like I can't get excited about. Do you? Are you more excited about potentially? Kevin Biggio next year? I would simply just because of the protection around him and the other hitters in that lineup. I mean, you mentioned Springer already. I mentioned Vladdy. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez had a monster year last year. They're going to have Randall Gritchick. I know people don't like Gritchick, but I personally do. I know he strikes out a lot. You don't like, you don't like Gritchick? No, he strikes out a lot. He, he'll strikes have out. like, he'll have like a two home run game, then Homer, then be cold for like two days, hit a two home run day. You're like, oh, he's finally turning. That sounds like around. three home runs and that's a lot of home runs in a week. <laughs> he'll have like five in a week, but then he'll go like 0 for 21 with 17 Ks. That's fair. But they're also going to have Marcus Simeon too. I mean, that lineup's yeah, absolutely like that. stacked. So if you don't like Cavan, maybe you like the protection around him. Doc, let's just stay with you for a second. What are your thoughts, Springer, that Toronto lineup? Are you excited to to, uh, to draft Springer where he's currently slotted? What are you thinking for Toronto? 
Yeah, well, he's been moving up the ADP ever since he got signed, but I think Danny hit the nail on the head. He he was in a good hitting lineup with the Astros, and the only thing that is the major difference is age, and it'll be interesting to see where they place him. I can't imagine him hitting leadoff because he has legit 30 home run power, but I'm also excited because I'm not really scared of AL East pitching outside Garrett Cole. I'm not a Ryu fan. Yeah, I know he's on the team, but I'm not a fan of Glass, or I'm not a really scared of Glass now, so he gets to play in Camden Yards, which is a home run hitter park, so... I think we could easily see 30, 35-plus home run power. He was on pace to hit 42 last year, so maybe he hits a sneaky 40 home run season. I don't know if he's hitting 40, but... That's a bold prediction. There you go. Cheesecake, put a little bow on this for George Springer. No, I, I want to bring up the uh, the lineup position a question again with him as well, because he was the leadoff man in Houston. And as I look at... I'm not 100% sure the lineup works as well with him leading off rather than hitting him like third. And I'm not sure Semyon should be at the top of that lineup either, especially with with Bichette, with Guerrero, with with Guriel, um, and 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 Biggio. I, I'm not 100% sure that that uh, where we're going to see him in the lineup. I'd like to see him actually third with that power stroke. He's he's really. I mean, he's not a speed guy. He has a good on base percentage, but hitting third. He'd really up his his RBI potential there. That's kind of where I'm hoping to see him, but he might just be a guy who's really comfortable leading off, and that's where he wants to bat. Yeah, I, I imagine. I know Roster Resource has him slotted to hit leadoff. I would imagine at least that's where it starts out the season. That's where he's most comfortable. But I'll be interested to see how they structure that lineup and when things get going, just how much they mash. But let's move to the National League again and talk about how about them Padres, man, because. Two big roster moves, except I'm for the Joe Musgrove apologist. I'm sorry. I'm not going to mention him as one of those big pitching moves that they made. But you got you Darvish. You got Blake Snell. You Darvish finally looked like the guy the Cubs paid tons of money for. He had a 398 ERA, 110 whip in 2019. And then in 12 starts in 2020, he averaged 11 Ks per nine, career best 1.7 walks per nine, and a 2-2-3 FIP. So and actually his 3.0 war was first among National League pitchers. So you Darvish looked pretty good, and he actually averaged a career-high 96 miles an hour on his four-seamer. So he's not even losing zip as he gets older. You also have Blake Snell, who's filthy two times, uh, two times through the order, but he, they never get to see him a third time because the Rays always have that, uh, those, I can't even think of the word, just the stuff on him. They're not letting him go that extra time through the order. So I'm very interested. We've got two big dogs going to this Padres team, Danny. What do you think? What are we expecting from these two guys? Are we expecting the seasons we've seen from them? Do they regress some? What do we think? Oh, yeah, why not? I mean, especially with Blake Snell getting that leash loose a little bit too because he was going to, like you said, he's going to pitch two times through the order and then he was done. Now he has freedom. Now he has San Diego is going to let him roll. I, one guy has circled this year that San Diego has that I think is going to really surprise some people. And people are sleeping on, too. I think a lot of people have given up on him is Chris Paddock. And I think people look at Chris Paddock and say, well, he's disappointed since he had his rookie year. I think they put too many expectations on him, personally. Um, you're expecting a guy who hasn't pitched that many innings to all of a sudden be your ace and lead you to the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, your entire rotation goes down. Now you're expecting him to be your ace again. I don't think that's fair. And now when he's coming in this season... We talked about protection earlier. He's going to have protection in the bullpen. They added Mark Lanson, Keone Kila. They have Emilio Pagan, Drew Pomeranz. They have a lot of talent in their bullpen. He's not going to be expected to throw seven, eight innings every time he takes a start. 
is not going to be expected to be their ace anymore. He's going to be expected to be a fourth or fifth starter. He's got really good stuff. If he can figure out his fastball location, he's dominant. Last year, hitters against him hit below the Mendoza line against his changeup. It was like 150-something. They do not hit his changeup. His breaking ball, he needs to get better command of. But when he has three pitches rolling, he's nasty. When he can command that fastball, he's nasty. So I think he's going to be a really sleeper pick, especially if we're talking fantasy here. I think he's got a lot of upside. So you're buying the low that Paddock, I think Paddock was going the top 20, 30 last year. He's slipped a little bit now, obviously, with the bad season. You are fully back on board with Chris Paddock is that pitcher that we saw a glimpse of, of in his uh, rookie season. Maybe not. Maybe not that good. Maybe not, you know, because he's an all-star caliber pitcher at the time. But I, I very much see him sub four ERA and being a really solid four or five starter for him. I, I don't know if he will ever be an all-star starter, but I don't think he has to be anymore. Right. And I actually, I remember his, I don't know if it was today, but I remember Will saying that talking about analytics and that it's kind of being adapted by a lot more players and some players are against it, but I, it's interesting because Paddock never looked into it. And then he came out the other day and mentioned about how he saw his analytics and is taking note of that. So everybody in the fantasy baseball community is throwing a party and moving them up (laughs) draft boards. It's kind of funny just how a player just has to say something like that and their entire perception about them has changed. So it's kind of interesting. Cheesecake, you're an analytic guy. What are your thoughts on these Padres pitchers? I mean, they didn't have to give up much to get to get them. They gave up less to get Darvish than they gave up to get Snell. Um, but I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter <laughs> about that. Your Cubs fan um, showing. Cubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as Darvish starts earning his contract, we trade him. Um, but I, I think, you know, they 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 traded for a lot of guys who were available, a lot of guys who who have some injury concerns, including, you know, Snell and Darvish and Musgrove, and they also have Lamette. So they are stacking their team. They're stacking their um, they're stacking their hitters as well. They're they're trying to be the deepest team out there. They're trying to be the Dodgers South. Uh, and I think they did a good job of it. They're about, you know, the Mets, Dodgers, and Padres are about the only teams I think that anyone could legitimately say have a chance in the national league starting this, starting out the season. You don't like Uh, the Braves. I don't think, well, the Braves, I don't, I don't think that they did enough with their pitching staff. They Um, were one win away from a world series. Yeah. And they didn't win the the world series. They (laughs) they didn't improve as much as, as the Dodgers and the Padres and Mets did. Um, I do like, I do like the Braves obviously, but I, I think, I, I guess, they they could get hot in the playoffs, but I think looking at it from this point, teams that improved, teams that were already good, it's Pod- Padres and Dodgers, and then you know the Mets were were promising and put a bunch of money into it. So I guess you know the Mets might have brought themselves up to the Braves. That's a good point. Um, but uh, yeah, I I love what the Padres have done. They've given themselves a ton of insurance just by their willingness to open their checkbooks a little bit. Agreed. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Eric, you want to touch on it really quick and we'll move on? Yeah, I, I love Chris Paddock. I think he's somebody where I feel best at his ADP. I'm not a Blake Snell fan. Ever since he won the Cy Young in 2018, he hasn't gone seven innings pitched in any start from 2019 or 2020. You take out that year, which he had a 1.89 ERA, and his expected ERA was over three, and he's a sub-500 pitcher. And with you, Darvish, he's going from the worst hitting division in baseball to arguably one of the best. So I would ding him a little bit as well, but still upgrades across the board. 
Yeah, and I know Danny touched on it. He's just got to have that fastball better. If his fastball is not working, then he's not going to be a pitcher worth starting in fantasy. He's not going to be a pitcher you want to watch pitch for the Padres because he's just miserable on the mound if he can't get it going. So hopefully he is Paddock you're talking about, right? Huh? That's Paddock, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. Darvish and Snell, hopefully, as long as they're not injured, should be electric. That's what I'm expecting. Let's move on to a closer. Danny, I don't know. Were you a closer or were you a starter in college? I did a little bit of both. I was more like setup man, and then I started on our midweek games. What was your highest velocity you ever got to? Not high enough. Probably at my peak, maybe like upper eights. I mean, that's probably... You make it seem so casual. Yeah, Yeah, I just threw 87. Well, this clearly wasn't good enough to, uh, you know, do anything but sit in a chair for the rest of my life here. So, (laughs) it's been better. Well, we'll talk about a guy that throws 97, and that's Liam Hendricks. A couple years ago, hard to imagine him getting to the point as arguably the top closer in baseball. I remember when he was with the Twins. And uh, another player that just was let go from our grass and turned into a superstar. And he's carried that dominance over the last two seasons. He's pitched to a 166 ERA, an astounding 33.1% strikeout to walk percentage, piling up 39 saves out of 47 chances. And he won the American League Reliever of the Year in 2020. He's going into fantasy's RP1 this year, really pitcher one. Danny, do you think? Liam Hendricks stays elite. Do you think he's the number one closer in all of baseball? Probably not, just because I don't know if you're going to be able to sustain that much success for that long of a period. And Oakland is, especially for night games, is kind of infamous for for being very pitcher friendly. Uh, And when you're going to Chicago, it's very hit and miss. If the wind, you know, I think everybody knows that the wind's blowing out. I apologize. My dog's barking at the storm up here, but <laughs> it's all good. Your, 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 your dog doesn't like you trash in Chicago. He's a big Liam Hendricks fan, apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, if the wind's blowing out, it's not exactly friendly. With Oakland, night games, you're pretty secure. You're not going to be giving up too many long balls. So I love Liam Hendricks as a dude. I love him as uh, I love him as a closer. I just don't know if it's uh, too high of expectations replacing upon a guy. He's going to get a lot of opportunities, though, because the White Sox are going to win a lot of games. So I think he's definitely going to have his shot at being one of the top closers. Would you put Hater above him? I would. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Would you Chapman? put Would you put a role to Chapman ahead of him? I would. Yeah. What about my darling this year, Rysel Glacius? <laughs> I hate the Angels and what they did. I really do. I I like Rysel Glasses has really, really good stuff. He always has. Um, and I think he's going to get a, a, a little bit of a boost because he's not pitching in Great American Small Park anymore. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't have faith in the Angels for one. And two, I didn't have faith in Rysel Glasses when he was with Cincinnati. So those two, you know, joining forces is not exactly uh, answering my questions. Well, it's a negative and a negative form of positive, if I remember from math class. And Look, I could be saying you're right. Everything I could be saying is total bullshit, and he could be the absolute. <laughs> he could be the closer of the year for all I know. Uh, but I just, if we're talking about projections and my predictions. That's just my first. That, that's fair. That's fair. I've just that's been my hot take is I think he's going to get 48 saves, and I think he's going to be the number one relief pitcher in baseball wow. this year. Iglesias or, or yeah. Hendricks? Iglesias. I hope you're right, man, because we need Trout in the playoffs. We do. We do. The Maybe he's just 48 games and. Never mind. That's another conversation. 
Go ahead, Doc. You can hop in here. Uh, we were talking about Hendricks. I sidelined it with my love for Iglesias. I think Hendricks is probably the safest closing option. He has a sub two ERA the past two seasons. He's been pretty durable. Uh, and I think he's in a good situation. I think the White Sox are going to give him a lot of save opportunities. We talk about them being in a bad division with the Tigers. And I think the Royals will be better, but the Indians have certain fallen, certainly fallen off a little bit. I think if you get him in your draft, yeah, maybe he, he might not be the number one overall, but you can bank that he's going to be probably a top five or top six, barring any injury. So Cheesecake, let me ask you. They have Aaron Bummer. I think it's Chase Fry. I know something Fry. Um, Evan Marshall. They have some good arms in that bullpen. Yeah. Is any part of you concern, Cheesecake, that if he struggles a little bit, that they have all these good guys that could step into the role? Or do you think with the money they gave him, no matter how bad he does, he's secure? I mean, I th- I think um, Tony La Russa is an old school manager who who basically was at the vanguard of, of the one inning saves in the 1980s when that became a thing. He was the first one. He, he, he's the one who made Dennis Eckersley a hall of famer. Um, and, uh, he, he likes using one guy. He likes to have his guy and he likes that guy to be an elite all-star level closer. And he goes to him every time. And to me, that's Hendricks. I think, you know, and, and, and like you said, obviously if, if he pitches poorly, he's going to get taken out. But, um, as Danny was saying, he's going to experience a little bit less uh, um, fortune in, in Chicago than he than he experienced in in Oakland. A few of the long flyouts are going to go out of the park, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a really hitter friendly park. But I think, as far as volume of saves, Hendricks is going to be fine. Uh, he's going to get a lot of saves. But you know, you might get a three ERA with those saves, and and. For for Larusa, I think that's fine for him. I think he'd be happy with that as long as he's converting, you know, 80, 90% of the saves. That's fair. Let's move to the last guys we're going to talk about in this section tonight. Pair of Yankee additions, Jameson Tyon and Corey Kluber. They both are joining a rotation that after Garrett Cole, there's no sure things. It's a bunch of question marks. Jameson Tyon was on your guys' show, Danny. So I know there's a lot of good information that you could share with our listeners from what I remember hearing has been a good pitcher when he's been healthy, but the problem is he can't stay healthy. This offseason has looked like he's changed some things to hopefully get over that. Meanwhile, you have Corey Kluber, who's pretty much has not pitched the last two years due to various kind of fluky injuries. But when Kluber was healthy, he combined uh, from 2014 to 2018, 218 innings per season, a 285 ERA, 299 Sierra, 28.5% strikeout rate, 5.2% walk rate, I'm very interested to see what happens in this rotation. Danny, what do you think about this Yankee rotation and those two guys specifically? Let me start with Tyone because I know a little bit more about his injuries and how he's feeling. I think he's looking really, really good. And I like where his attitude's at. I like where his state of mind's at because the kid's been through it all. I mean, he's beaten cancer. He's had two different Tommy John procedures. Um, He's been a number two pick. He's dealt with pressure before. Has he ever dealt with New York pressure? Not quite, but he's been a number two pick, and there's plenty of pressure there. He told us that he basically has shortened his arm, very Lucas Giolita-ish, uh, which is he, he said that it's less stress on his arm. And he said when he's talking about throwing his bullpens, he said before he had the surgery, he would throw his bullpens that he, he felt like he was going 100%, but he was only hitting mid-80s, upper 80s on the gun. 
And he never really locked in and was able to hit mid-90s until he was actually on a real game mount. He said now he threw a bullpen just a few weeks ago. He was sitting low to mid-90s pretty easily. He wasn't even going 100%. So I'm not saying he's going to go out there chucking 98 every time. Um, but his arm is healthy and his, his mind is healthy, which I think is most important because everything he's gone through, gone through, he could have easily given up time and time again, but he's pursued. Going to Kluber and the rest of the Yankees rotation, I don't love the way that Brian Cashman constructed it simply because their lineup is so fragile. And so when you're asking your lineup that has injury concerns to stay healthy for 162 game season, and then you construct a pitching rotation that has injury concerns too. Uh, I have questions when it when it comes to that because Jordan Jordan Montgomery, Tommy John a couple of years ago, Debbie Garcia has six career starts. You mentioned Kluber and Tyone and their injury concerns. There's nothing certain besides Garrett Cole. And so when you're asking Aaron Judge to be healthy and you know that's a tall task, you're asking Giancarlo Stanton to be healthy, that's a tall task. And now you're expecting your entire pitching rotation to be healthy when they have proven not to be healthy in recent years. Yeah, if I'm a Yankees fan, I'm nervous, especially with that medical staff and how they handle injuries. I, I, I think you're right. It's I am I was like you said, very encouraged what I heard from Tyon on your on your and Will's podcast though, because I think he sounds like he's motivated. Sounds like he's in a good headspace. Sounded like he was kind of in a dark place not too long ago. So uh, I, I love the the way he sounds, the confidence he has. Uh, Cheesecake, what are your thoughts on these two guys? I mean, I go back to how much they were willing to pay Kluber. Um, either, either one, the Yankees are really generous or there was a small bidding war on someone on Kluber and the Yankees put their offer out there to make sure that they were way ahead of other people. Um, there was a lot of interest. I think, um, a lot of teams probably would have thrown them a, a two to $3 million contract. I'm sure there were some who were willing to go higher. The Yankees said, no, we want you. We're willing to put 11 million on the table. Now coming from if that had been, you know, Milwaukee putting 11 million on the table, I think it would have meant a lot more or a team like that. But the Yankees, it's still a significant investment. I think that they're expecting Kluber to be healthy this year. I, I've heard some people say, oh, it was only 36 innings ago that he was he was a Cy Young Award contender. And and that might be true. But those 36 innings were that that took place over a long, long period of time. So I, I'm still skeptical. But like I said, with the contract he got, I you know I, I think that that the Yankees at least think that he's going to be healthy this year, uh, and and I just I, I'm loving what I'm hearing from Danny about Tyon because I was I, I really root for him. Um, I've taken him in a few drafts, but uh, but you know I I like him and his talent. I I think that if he's right, he's a top thirty, top forty starter, easy. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, again, he's risen up draft boards as Kluber has. And I think just see a little bit of him in spring training will get his value even higher. Just seeing he can pitch and stay healthy, sees that he has velocity. Doc, what, what are your thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I mean, Tyon is going to be 29 when the season starts. That's still young for pitcher. I mean, he could have his best season coming up, and he's overcome a lot. And I think that adds that little bit of extra motivation. And as we've talked with some former pitchers on the show, we know that uh, none of them are exactly sad leaving Pittsburgh, that it seems to be a refreshing change of environment. Um, <laughs> no, we had our first guy that actually didn't trash. That's, that's why I said yeah, pitcher. That's why I said pitcher. That's right. That's right. Um, 
But I, for Kluber, I can't take him for where he's at. The 36 innings ago, he was a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, that was over two years ago. I don't think he's going to be the guy that is throwing 200 plus innings or even sniffing it. I think if you can just get a healthy, maybe 150 max, and he's a three ERA pitcher, you're going to be happy with that, but he won't be a workhorse anymore. All right. Fair enough. Again, we've got spring training games starting next week, I believe Sunday. So it's going to be actually nice to see these guys in their new uniforms play some baseball. With that being said, why don't we move to a little bit more fun part of the show and start out with our question of the week. Danny, all party music for you this episode. I love this. I'm digging it. <laughs> so question of the week is usually sponsored. We are in the midst of switching sponsors. for So for this week, our episode is sponsored by Danny's dog, who doesn't like Liam Hendricks. So, <laughs> uh, but he likes Liam Hendricks. He doesn't like when I criticize Liam Hendricks. Mm, he doesn't bark at me. Get it right. right. Your dog's smart. I mean, your dog might know some stuff that we don't. <laughs> uh, but so our question this week, where is the best slash favorite spot for Yasiel Puig to sign? And then I have a bonus one that I'm going to ask after that. But Danny, for this first question, where do you think he signs? What I think he signs, I'll tell you where I want him to be is Miami because I think they could use a little bit more bop in that lineup, and he just makes sense. Uh, you know, just just fun wise, he, he, Miami can't bring people to the ballpark. They haven't shown that they can get enough fans in the stands for years since they've had Giancarlo and those guys and Jose Fernandez. So I think Yasiel Puig brings he brings a little bit more excitement to a team that could use an offensive boost. Um, other than the, the Marlins, though, I think it would have to be for a non-competitor, really, like a Detroit Tiger or the Pittsburgh Pirates, because I don't think a team that wants to compete wants to risk having that type of personality in their clubhouse. And I, I'm kind of it's a bit of a stretch to say the Marlins are going to be competitive, but I, I think they could be very competitive. It's just their division is going to be really, really tough. So why not go take a chance on Yasiel Puig and add another you know, offensive force to your lineup? I love that. I think there's not a better match made in heaven than it would be with Miami Marlins. Cheesecake, what about you? What do you think? Well, I think I think Miami is a great choice. Uh, they need to upgrade Duvall in right field, and I think that Puig would be would be a nice upgrade for a team with. I think they have playoff aspirations, but I think if I'm going to go a different direction from that, I, I might go Houston. Uh, just because they're looking at Miles Straw right now starting in center field. I'm not sure if Tucker or Brantley could handle it or if Puig could handle center field. But if they don't mind going with uh, with a slightly da- slightly worse uh, defensive outfield, they would that would bring their offense right back right back up to uh, to closer to where it was the last few seasons and make them a uh, you know I think it could make them another one of those uh, an offensive juggernaut again just like they. They have been, and not that their offense is going to be bad this year, but I, I think they could use an upgrade over Miles Straw in uh, in the outfield. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I didn't even know he was supposed to start until I saw something today about him hitting leadoff. So that would be an upgrade for sure. Doc, what about you? What do you think? So I'm saying in the NL East, and it's the team that he signed with last year but never played for, and that's the Braves. And unfortunately, he didn't pass the physical because he had COVID. But I look at their starting center fielder right now, and maybe they can shift Acuna there. But their starting center fielders, Ender and Ciarte, who hit 190 with one homer and 10 RBIs in 46 games. The Braves were one win away from going to the World Series. 
and hitting is kind of their forte. So in 2019, Puig hit 267 with 24 homers, 84 RBIs. That's a clear upgrade. You have a stacked hitting lineup around that. I think just go all in with that approach. So I have no analytics. I have no connection to anything. I had a dream that Yasiel... Is it, is it the Cardinals? No, that he okay. was with the Nationals. Just something. I just see him in the Nationals uniform for some reason, whether it's an injury. Their outfield's already kind of shaky as it is. If you go past Soto and Robles, they're going to be kind of... I, I feel like there's not a... They, have, they lost Goodwin. They lost Michael A. Taylor. They lost Adam Eaton. I don't know. There's just something there. You guys hear it from me. I just, I feel like he's going to sign. Is, with, Schw- is Schwarber dead meat to you? Maybe there, I think the DH will go in, at some point in the National League and he'll be a DH. So we'll see what happens, but there's just something in my gut that says it's going to go to the Nationals. But let's transition from that and let's go to our last segment. And that's going to be our game of the week. All right. Game of the week is hosted by none other than Lil Cheesecake. So Lil Cheesecake, what are we playing this week? Uh this week we're we're playing a game I'm calling uh Hoop and Harm, or as Carlos Boozer would say, and one. Uh it's <laughs> gonna be a, a round of questions where all three of you battle it out, and one of you guys gets the and one when you get the question right, you get into a bonus question. Two points for the first question. One point if you answer the second question right. But the only person who answers the second question is the person who got the first question right. All right. Okay. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been trying to come up with a game design like this. And I'm like, wait a second. I just make it like, just compare it to basketball. That'll, that'll work. Why Carlos Boozer? Carlos Boozer would scream and one whenever he thought one of his teammates doesn't got fouled. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't every player in the NBA or whoever does basketball? Do if, if you were, if you were a, a Bulls fan around 2011, you, you know, every TV broadcast, you'd be just hearing uh, Tom, Tom Thibodeau going ice, ice, ice. And then you'd hear Boozer go and one. And that, that was just the sounds of being a Bulls fan in 2011. So, so, Maybe maybe uh, I'm the only one on this pod who recognizes Boozer's contr- contribution to the and one lifestyle. But uh... <laughs> All right. First question for our uh, and one hoop in the harm game. All right. This one um, for this question, you guys are each going to have a turn to give an answer. After this question, I think we're just going to have you guys shout out guesses uh, first. So for this one, though. Because there are three right answers, I'm going to let each of you guys give answers until one of you gives one right answer. Okay? Danny, you'll learn that Cheesecake's games are awesome, but he's the worst at explaining them. <laughs> I'm ready this for is, it. This is true. This is true. I spend more time on the game than figuring out how to explain it. All right. Question one. The tallest ballpark wall section in Major League Baseball is the Green Monster in Fenway Park, standing 37 feet tall. Three stadiums have wall sections that are tied for the second tallest at 25 feet. The first one of you to guess one of those three stadiums gets the hoop with the foul. Eric. Okay. San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is correct. Uh, so I was going to give, but because there are three right answers, I'm going to give each person a chance to get one guess. Danny, you got one, you got two points. So so Danny, will get the, Danny will get the hoop and the harm, but Eric and I can still get two points. No, I have a question, a, a, a harm question for each of the other right okay. answers. So, so are, we, are we just yelling out the answer or yelling out our name? Um, 
after this point, we'll we'll uh, we'll yell out name our name. Buzz okay. in with your name. Okay. Yeah. All right. Buzz I'm in gonna, with your name. All right. So, I'm gonna go uh, Oakland Athletics. That is incorrect, David. I'm gonna go Houston Astros. That is correct. So David and Danny got two points. Danny, your uh, your foul shot is what was the name of the stadium the Giants called home from 1891 to 1957? Candlestick Candle Park. I mean, this is the New York Giants from 1891 oh, oh, oh. to 1957. Um, wow, that's a hard one. Is it Polo Grounds? That's right. How did you know Man, that? Nice. I've so he he doesn't know fantasy baseball. I just knows obscure baseball. Dude, that's a, that's impressive. All right, I so just, so I um, sure, but <laughs> David, you guessed uh, Houston, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, their third correct answer is the Arizona Diamondbacks, by the way. But the Houston foul shot is what is the original team name of the Houston franchise? The Houston Oilers is football. Um. Oh my God. I feel like my question's easier, but I still am struggling. Um, the Houston. Oh my God. <laughs> the Houston Chargers. I don't know. I think Danny has a hat up on his hat rack for the Colt 45s, which was the original okay. team name. I should have looked at his hat rack. I, I was <laughs> like, if Danny gets this question, he's going to get it right. I saw the Colt 45s hat. So. <laughs> So two points for David, three points for Danny, none for none for Doc, but that's just the first question. I think I have eight. So uh, so for this one, just shout your name out when you want to guess, okay? This ballpark is the deepest down the left field line out of all ballparks in baseball. David. David? Oakland? No. Danny? Mm-hmm. Coorsville. No. Eric? Yes. Braves? No. Can we keep guessing. Someone's going to get it right, right eventually. Get one more, if we each get it wrong a second time, we'll just call it an X and move on. If you guys want to do that, okay. Yeah, yeah, just for time's sake. Okay. Um, David? Okay. I'll say Baltimore. No. That was a bad guess. Eric. This ballpark is also the longest down the right field line. Eric? Kansas City? Yeah, no. That's my guess. Oh, sweet. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go Miami. No, the answer is Wrigley Field, which is 353 down the left field line and 355 down the right field line. Longest down the lines for both directions. The uh, the uh, foul shot question for it was the Chicago National League franchise was called by three different team names before becoming the Cubs. Can you guys name any of them? The answer is the White Stockings, the Orphans, and the Colts. Nope, would have gotten zero. Same. Okay, okay. Uh, this all right. Question three: This ballpark has the highest seating capacity out of any ballpark in baseball. Eric. Yep. The Marlins. Nope. I'm pretty sure the Orioles is number two, and I used to know what the number one was. It's um David. Yeah. Is it the Cubs? Nope. I, there's only one question per team on here, just FYI. Oh, now you tell me. <laughs> I, I Yeah, now I tell you. Uh, Danny, I'll go 
Coors Field again. No, they're 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 up there though. All right, um, I'm gonna go, Eric. Yes, Yankee Stadium. No, up there as well. David, maybe it is Baltimore. <laughs> no. Okay. No. 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 I, I think of think big cities. Think big cities. Big franchise. Now you well, tell me. Well, we are we already got our two guesses. In. Yeah, Danny's got the. Well, uh, I mean, you, you're the one who right. just hided that two guesses. Right. Right. Oh, Danny, here's oh, here, here's the silver Dodger platter for you. Stadium. What'd you say? Dodger Stadium for Dodger sure. Dodger Stadium is correct. Okay. Dodger Stadium is correct. And the uh, foul shot for Dodger Stadium is how much did it cost to build Dodger Stadium? Was it between 20 and 35 million, 35 and 50 million, or over 50 million? It was built in 1962. We'll go over. It was built for $23 million in 1962. So, okay. So Danny has five, David has two, um, and Eric has none. Yikes. It's all right. We got more questions. Um, all right. Question four. This ballpark has the most playable foul ground in all of the major leagues. Eric. David. <laughs> I think Eric's. I, th- I heard Eric first. Bull Tampa, crap. Tampa Bay. That's wrong. Oh, Danny. Danny. Go ahead, no, no, Danny. You're the guest. You can get it. We both know on three. One, two, three. Oakland. Oakland. Okay. Ah. Okay. Uh, um. Do you guys want me to split the points with you guys? <laughs> you can, you can, know. um, you can give them to Danny. Yeah, I, no, I deserve zero for that. Yikes. Okay. Da- all right. So, all right. You get the foul shot, David, then. All right. That's fair. All right. Oakland is the third city that the A's franchise is called home. Can you tell me one of their prior homes? Um, uh, oh my God. I'm going to say, St. Louis. Oh man, I thought you were gonna know it because your your Chiefs are in Kansas City. That's one oh, of their prior oh homes. God, and Philadelphia that. is their other prior home. Um, okay. Question five: There have been two ballparks which cost over one billion dollars to build: Yankee Stadium and which other stadium? Eric. Eric, who was it? The Marlins. No. Oh, God, you suck. <laughs> I yeah, I'm awful. You're you're on the right track. Newer ballparks are going to cost more. Exactly. Oh gosh, I know this now. I think I do. Oh, I'm I'm blanking. David. Yeah. Didn't the Giants just get a new ballpark? Or am I crazy? Are they, yeah, they renamed? They, they renamed. They just renamed it. It. I don't know. I, yeah. And yeah, so that's a word. That's Giants a word. Wrong. Yeah. That's yeah. a bad answer. Uh, Danny, we'll go yeah. City Field. Nope. Eric. Yep. The Braves New Field. No. Oh. No. Oh. There, there is another new stadium. Oh, yeah. David. Yes. The Mets. No, that, that's City Field. He just said oh, that. Right. David. <laughs> All right, no, David, David gets negative points. Oh, okay. Uh, Danny. Yes. Globe Life? Yes. Okay. All right, Danny's running away with this God, one. That's not good. <laughs> okay. Your your foul shot. What is the original city and name of the Texas Rangers franchise? Um. I have no idea. The Washington Senators. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um Okay. This is a I think this is a fun one. Um 
Danny Plus already people. won. Danny, I, Danny, I, I, I got the rest of these. I think I can still catch him. There's three uh, left. Yeah, yeah. You got nine. N- Danny has nine. David has seven. Eric, you have zero. So you can actually still catch him too, Eric. All right, let's, let's go. go. With a sweep. With a sweep. <laughs> what? Right. Seven? What's that? I have seven. You have two points. You're only seven, seven oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking. Um, there are 12 stadiums with left field lines of at least 335 feet, but only two that are under 400 feet to straightaway center field. Oracle Park in San Francisco. And what other stadium? I think you guys should just guess. Just start guessing. I'm going to wait. I'm I'm anxious, and that's my um, problem. David? Yes. Angels? No. I, but uh, but I think it, it is generally considered a pitching park, even though it's not deep to center. Now you tell Petco. me. Is it Petco? Petco. It's Petco, yeah. Wow. All right. That's well, great. I, uh, <laughs> you always <laughs> drop these hints after I guess. <laughs> exactly. That's I'm not winning. I'm just picking up on what he's putting down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The foul shot. How many National League pennants have the Padres won? One. Two. Oh, 1984 you're right. and 1998. You're right. Um, the ballpark. All right. Question seven. This stadium is the shortest to straightaway center field at only 390 feet. Eric. Yes. Didn't you just say that it was, oh, it's like, never mind. Never mind. If you I don't say I didn't, I, next. Yeah, I, I didn't say, uh, all right, uh, Giants, because you said no, it was under. No. The, the shortest at 390. I feel like it's got to be one of those parks that has like a really funky thing on the side, like a, a high wall or... Is it, is it, David, is it Houston? Oh, you already said Houston, but. Houston. Oh, no, no, no. You said an answer you didn't wrong. Say Houston. You Houston. Didn't say Houston. No, Houston. it's not Houston. Houston is actually the deepest to center field at 435 feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> Make me feel bad. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's I'm just saying. negatives for him. <laughs> 390 feet to straightaway center field. You, you're think, your thought process was right on, David. Just FYI. The is it Milwaukee? It's not Milwaukee, no. All right, one more guess each. Okay. I'm going through the teams in my head. Oh my god. You pra- you practically described the field when you were going through your thought process. David. Yes. Is it Boston? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> David gets it. There we go. It's one of those that has a big wall in there, I think, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's gotta be Houston. <laughs> <laughs> they have the they have the big left field with the trains. So I was like, that's okay. true. That's true. Uh, the the foul shot. All right, this is one I thought that was really cool. Uh, 1912 newspaper coverage of the opening of Fenway Park was overshadowed by the continuing coverage of what significant cultural disaster that happened only a few days earlier. Can you repeat the question? The 1912 <laughs> opening of Fenway Park was overshadowed by continuing coverage of what significant cultural disaster, which happened only a few days earlier. I don't know history, and I could say an answer that's going to embarrass me in front of everybody, so (laughs) I'm going to choose to take an X. Okay. Uh, All right. What if I tell you that there has been an Academy Award-winning movie about this disaster as recently as 20... Pearl Harbor. No, that was uh, 1941. You're right. You are going to embarrass yourself. It's it's right, the sinking uh, of the Titanic. 
Oh gosh, that's what I was gonna say. You you had it? You had it? I, I, so I figured it was either that or the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. I know both of them Stop happened in flexing. the early things. Sorry, pretty good. Hey, hey, good. I have zero points. Okay, let me get that's a little good. <laughs> Danny, uh, please make me. Did you know that, or was that something I no. just was a complete idiot? No, I I'm as as naive about history as you. Don't feel okay. bad. <laughs> I feel better right now. I feel better. Okay. Hi, Doc. I'm giving you a point. Yay! I'm giving you a point for that one. He's not right. getting out today. Yeah. Um, so this is the last question. Um, and or this team is the most recent squad to have reached ten thousand home runs as a franchise. David. Yes. The Atlanta Braves. No. Eric. Eric. The Yankees. No. Yankees have like eighteen thousand home runs. Uh, uh true. Yeah. Um, Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm-mm. No, the most recent team uh, is uh, AL Central team. Eric. Yes. Twins. That's correct. Oh, yeah. I got my hot streak at the end. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, okay. The original franchise name of the Twins was what? This is this is a fun one. Uh, the Lakes? The Washington Senators. Oh, gosh, that's what I oh, thought. I didn't know you'd use it. They would name their team the Lakes. I don't know. It's the land of 10,000 lakes. <laughs> it's kind of insane. Pearl Harbor happened in 19. I will argue that saying a team's name is the Lakes is worse than guessing. What about the Lakers? The Lakers. It could have been the Lakers. That would make more sense. That would have made more sense. Yes. The Minnesota Lakers. All right. Uh, but they're, they're, they're the second two, uh, two uh, Washington Senators franchises both moved to Minnesota and Texas. So it looks like uh, Danny walked away with this one. His uh, 11 points far outpacing David's four and Eric's three. So Danny, congratulations on the win. You get your, you get your, uh, you get your 15 seconds of FaceTime. Well, Danny, yeah, before you go, man, I, I, or before you talk, I just want to say it was a total blast having you on and we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Yeah, this is fun. Anytime I get a walk-up song, I'm there. So anytime you guys want to go grab a beer, you want to go grab something to eat, give me a walk-up song, I'll be there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. This was a, t- a total blast. And for those that don't know or might live under a rock, can you tell our listeners where they can listen to you, where they can find your work or any other projects you might be doing? Yeah, everything, all my written work you can find on cbssports.com and then listen to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast every Wednesday. Yeah, he's... His, the shows are awesome. Him and Will Middlebrooks. It's can't miss podcasting. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Make sure you read his articles too. All great stuff. They're number then, one seed for a reason. I don't even know. I was going to bring that up. Did you know about the baseball bracket, Danny? Uh, which one? So there's a big uh, baseball bracket. Uh, there's, there's a big what? baseball bracket. Uh, it's called the Baseball Pods March mm-hmm. Madness bracket. It comes out every year. And CBS is the number one seed. And you're on, you're in the same bracket as us. We're the number four on the bottom of it. So we'd meet in the sweet 16 if we play each other. Well, I can't take credit because that's obviously all Frank, <laughs> and Frank and Scott and the boys. I, that's all them. That's all them. But we will take you down to the sweet 16. Oh, man. See, we were, we're friends now, but we won't be friends in a few weeks. That's sorry. It's good. We got you now. Uh, but make sure you guys tune in next week. We'll be talking with Michael Govier and Chris Deere of the Palazzo Pods. So make sure you don't miss that episode. Until then, everybody stay safe. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>